Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host most weeks when we do our podcast. We've been on a, a little bit of a break here as the uh, holidays were in full swing, but now we're back into it, and we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we are going to spend quite a bit of time looking back at the uh, at the holiday break and some of the numerous tournaments and classics and and events and shootouts and whatnot that took place in boys and girls basketball. And we're going to char- uh, chat with Mark Miller and Norbert Durst about those and, and also a little bit of a look forward about what's coming up here in uh, in hoops in the next few weeks and, and later this week especially. Um, so getting to be that busy time, uh, you know, we uh, we're, the holidays are behind us. Conference races are, are really the, the key focus going forward. There are still a few uh, pretty significant non-conference games that'll that'll occur in the next few weeks, and we'll talk about those as well. But uh, it's it's full bore. It's big time into hoop season and winter sports season right now. Um, before we di- before we get into that, uh, I do want to take a second to acknowledge um, the outpouring of uh, of comments and and support and things uh, regarding the article that I wrote earlier this week. Uh, about my uh, my friends and the unfortunate reality that we are dealing with and that too many people uh, deal with when it comes to suicide and, and mental health and depression. Um, we, we laid Kirk to rest at his funeral service yesterday, and it was a very difficult and emotional day. Um, but it was a story that I, I, I wanted to share. I didn't it wasn't about me and, and many people expressed condolences and, and, you know, uh, said, sorry for your loss. And, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't about me and it wasn't about my loss. It was, uh, about all of us and, and what that, uh, what suicide does to everybody, to all of the survivors and family, friends, coworkers. Uh, there were so many people at the church, at the service yesterday and at the visitation on Monday night, um, it's just a a very difficult thing to deal with and wrap your head around and so many questions that you just don't have answers for. Um, it was a difficult time and I didn't, I still don't know how to process all of it. Um, I'm still processing my friend Todd's death 13 years later, but I felt like writing an article that might touch some people, might um, maybe help some person somehow was something that I wanted to do and also to uh, honor and recognize my friends. And I, I just, as I said at the end, I just, I guess I just miss them. So again, I do uh, appreciate everybody that reached out and, and there was a lot of people. Comments on our, our Facebook page on the story, uh, a lot of comments on, on Twitter, uh, many emails that I got from all kinds of people. Uh, my elementary school teachers and uh, family and friends of Kirk and, and his uh, his wife and uh, coaches that reached out, um, coaches that that uh, you know texted and friends that texted and it was just uh, a, a great uh, great thing to see and it's something that we continue all of us have to continue to pay attention to that we have to continue to focus on. Uh, addressing and, and being open and honest and having conversations and difficult conversations about depression and, and suicide and suicidal thoughts and 
checking in and, and being there for the people in our lives that we know might be struggling. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how we missed it again, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I don't miss it again. And that's our challenge for everybody out there to, to not let it happen. It's preventable. And, uh, and let's, let's, uh, do what we can. And again, appreciate everybody that, that reached out, uh, in regards to that story. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not something I'm going to stop talking about. Um, you know, probably won't post it out too many more times here in the next few days or, or next week or whatever, but it's something that we'll, uh, that we'll put forward as, uh, as the time comes. If, if there's other situations that arise, if there's, you know, high school athletes or high school students that, uh, you know, are, are in that situation or, um, just whenever it might, uh, whenever it might feel right to bring it, uh, br- bring it back. But uh, again, thank you to everybody. Again, um, Let's, uh, let's work towards zero. That's, that's what we're going to do. Uh, but we are going to uh, spend our podcast today a lot, again, talking about our high school hoops and everything going on in basketball, boys and girls basketball in the state of Wisconsin. And to join us in our discussion of some of the boys basketball tournaments and classics and events that were held over the holiday break and just uh, catch up on all things boys hoops in the state of Wisconsin is WSN boys basketball writer Mark Miller, WF, uh, WBCA Hall of Fame member, longtime publisher of the Wisconsin Basketball Yearbook, and of course uh, puts on the premier in-state, uh, in-season tournament, the WBY Rick Majera Shootout. Uh, so Mark, let's start there. Let's start with the shootout. Uh, give us kind of a high-level look at how things went this year and some of the highlights from the uh, event, which was 27 games in three days. Is that right? That's right. Yes, it was our 15th year and uh, things went very well, ran very smoothly at Concordia University and saw teams from all over the state uh, play and, you know, kids show what they can do. And uh, it was a, it was a fun three days if, if, uh, if also a long three days, but uh, some really good games. Uh, The one that kind of jumps out to me, just looking back at it now, you know, almost two weeks later was, uh, probably the Kimberly Arrowhead game was the one that I would say maybe was the most entertaining and, and, and best game of the event. Uh, Kimberly had jumped to a, a very substantial lead at halftime, and Arrowhead slowly, methodically uh, got back in the game in the second half on the strong play of Carter Gilmore, whether he was scoring or, or dishing off to an open teammate, and uh, they ended up winning the game and in overtime uh, was an outstanding win for uh, Arrowhead. Tough loss for Kimberly, but they bounced back the next day uh, and got a win over Waukesha West and uh, remain unbeaten in the Fox Valley Association. Really good team up uh, in that area of the state. And then as far as individuals, well, mentioning uh, Carter Gilmore, he, he had 32 points and I think he had something like 12 rebounds and nine assists in that game. I mean, he almost had a triple-double. He, he played just outstanding particularly in the second half and the, in the overtime. Uh, Jacob Agnosevic of, of uh, Sheboygan Lutheran was outstanding in, in helping his team to a pair of impressive wins. Uh, they beat Edgerton by one point, and the only lead they had in the entire game was with a couple seconds to go. Jonah Jers, a junior guard for them, had a three-point shot. I thought Edgerton played them very, very well and was, had them well-scouted and um, and yet uh, Agnostic ended up with 29 points in that game. And in, in their first game uh, at the shootout against Lake Country Lutheran, he finished with 45 points. Uh, 
um, had 30 at half, and it was looking like uh, he might break the record that we've uh, that's been held since 2008 uh, when Evan Richard, former Cuba City player, scored 50 points, but he came up just a bit short. Some other games that uh, really seemed to catch attention and, and that really uh, kind of stood out a little bit, uh, Brookfield Central and Madison LaFollette. That was a, a matchup of two teams, very yeah. highly ranked, and uh, LaFollette kind of ran away with that one. Yeah, yeah, that that was another game, certainly near the top. Um, I thought LaFollette came in and just just had the, the you know, the fire in their eyes from the opening tip until the, the last horn sounded. I mean, they were ready and raring to go and wanted to prove that they belong, you know, with the top teams in the state, and they, they were very, very convincing in their ability to just play at a different speed almost than, than Brookfield Central in terms of getting the ball at the court and, and, and scoring their quickness and their, and, you know, their speed on a bigger court like that at Concordia uh, really gave Brookfield Central some problems. And, um, you know, the four guards that LaFollette has, uh, the four senior guards are, are just, you know, very veteran guys that know how to play and, you know, uh, do an outstanding job of trapping and, and causing turnovers and converting those turnovers into easy baskets. Uh, Derek and David Gray Isaiah Stewart and Ben Probst are, are, you know, just really outstanding together. And, and then, you know, coach uh, control Robinson's gotten some pretty good production, um, you know, out of a couple other guys on, on the roster. I thought uh, uh, Prather played particularly well, had a monster dunk late in the game to kind of put an exclamation point on the, on the win. Decoven uh, Prather, he's six, three, but he jumps exceptionally well. Um, so, you know, the one thing that, that LaFollette might lack a little bit is size, although, uh, in addition to Prather, they have um, Jock Riak, who's about 6'6", and he's a sophomore uh, with a lot of promise. So they do have some size, but they rely uh, mostly on their outstanding guard play, and uh, they really took it to Brook Central in that contest uh, and uh, was an impressive victory, to say the least. The other team that really stood out was on Alaska. You know, they, they've, uh, they won two games, and I think they're now 19 and one or some goofy uh, number uh, in the, in their history at the WBY shootout. I mean, they just come in there and play exceptionally well year after year. And uh, they, they really have a very, very good team this year. Uh, really well balanced, um, very unselfish, pretty good depth, outstanding size. When you look at Gavin McGrath at six eleven, and then uh, Victor Desmond at six six, and, and Tyrell Stutley at six five. Um, and then, you know, uh, Carson Aarons is about six, six, four, six, four and a half. Sam Kick, their starting point guard, he's about six, two. Um, they're really a good team. And I tell you what, uh, I would say, you know, if you said put, put together a top 10 team, uh, regardless of division, uh, who are the top 10 teams? Heck, I would put on Alaska and Lacrosse Central in the top five. Um, it's a shame that they got to go up against each other to, to get to Madison, but, uh, you know, they'll play each other three times, twice in the Mississippi Valley Conference and once most likely in the playoffs. And those games will be uh, huge hot item tickets uh, in the Cooley region. And uh, with good reason, both teams are outstanding. And their first matchup is still almost a week and a half away. They, they don't play until, I believe it's January 17th, uh, next Friday night. Right. Uh, the first of two matches between those two teams. We're talking with Mark Miller, boys basketball writer at Wisports.net. Another game that was highly entertaining uh, was on Friday uh, when Brookfield Academy and Cuba City went at it. A lot of points scored in that one. 
Uh, not sure how much defense, but there was a lot of offense and a really entertaining game there <laughs> between a couple highly ranked teams in Division Four. Right, right. That that would be another one. Yeah, that's another one that you know. I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Travis, because uh, I was. You know, how can you not be impressed with a team that scores 100 points and, and shared the ball and, and moved the ball as quickly and as accurately as Cuba City did in that game? You know, whether it was uh, Jackson Knoll or Brady Olson or, or um, Braden Daly or Jack Miskey, Riley Richard. I mean, they all played exceptionally well. And, you know, Cuba City was pretty much in control of that game, although it was always competitive. You know, Brookfield Academy has some good inside players with Logan Landers and Alex Leach. And then, of course, two really good perimeter players in Max Coonert and Aiden Clary. Um, and Cuba just kind of got the upper hand on them. And, they, you know, they had that 8-14 uh, to 14 point lead for most of the game. But it was an entertaining game because of all the points scored and the kids being able to showcase what they can do offensively. On a big court like that, Cuba City's uh, speed and, and ability to, to run in transition was, was impressive. You know, Braden Daly uh, was knocking down shots from, from well beyond the arc. I mean, he's, he's got to be as good a shooter as we have in the state. You know, and at 6'6", six, six, um, you know, that, that's really impressive. Uh, so, yeah, the Cuba City uh, is well-deserving of, of, uh, of its ranking, you know, in the Wisports.net coaches poll in Division Four, number one. And uh, it's going to take a heck of a team to beat them. I think Jack Miskey is one of the more improved players in the state. He's always been a good player, but he just keeps getting better and better. And he provides that, that size at 6'4", and the toughness uh, with his physical strength in the post that that they need to go along with Olsen and Noel on the perimeter and, you know, and Braden Daly on the perimeter and also slashing to the basket. So really good team. Um, you know, they're both Division Four teams. You know, Alex Leach was a little under the weather. He was coming off the flu and hadn't played the day before for – for Brookfield Academy. So, um, you know, it's a chance that they could play again. And if they did, of course, it would be at the, at the Kohl Center. Um, but it was a fun, entertaining game to watch. What were some of the other uh, highlights or notable games, teams, performances from the holiday season around the state? Uh, anything else that stood out from some of those games that week? Well, I, I, I think... Um, Manitowoc Roncalli uh, going in uh, despite losing, uh, man, I think they, I, I don't can't remember if it was all five or at least four of their starters from last year. And they, you know, you thought, wow, this, you know, they might be around 500 ish or so this year. And they're, they're playing in the Sheboygan North Raiders shootout, which has been around forever. And uh, they open up uh, by beating Sheboygan North, which is struggling this year. There's no question. And it was a competitive game. You know, uh, Ron Colley won by, I don't know, six or whatever. So that wasn't too shocking. But then to turn around the next night and beat a, a proven, you know, veteran, uh, well, not necessarily a veteran, but talented Oshkosh North squad in the championship game, I thought that was a pretty good statement for a D4 team to do that. Um, you know, back to the WBY shootout, I thought Grafton was really impressive. They they handled Kakana, uh, and then they won a very competitive game against Waukesha uh, uh, West and Alex uh, Hubright, I thought, played outstanding. The right state recruit just just shot the ball really well, passed it well, got got into the lane off the dribble. And Rock Hefner, their six seven junior center, had just a, a fantastic two games in the tournament. Um, so those those two games, you know, Racine St. Catharines winning two games against Stevens Point and Wisconsin Rapids over at the Century Classic. Uh, was impressive, but not overly surprising because they're a very talented team and obviously ranked number one in D3 in our in our coaches uh, in our coaches poll. 
you know, Lacrosse Central kind of took the time off. They, they have a lot of games coming up and are going to be playing some huge games, uh, both within the, the league, but also uh, outside of the league and, and against some outside uh, of Wisconsin competition. Uh, so it'll be fun to see how they continue to progress. Um, so, yeah, those were a few of the highlights. You know, it's always fun to, to go to those holiday events and, um, you know, you get an opportunity to see some some kids and players that uh, are, are out of the conference, you know, for one of the final times of the year and uh, interesting matchups. You know, one of the things that we try to do at the shootout is match teams up from different parts of the state. So, you know, River Falls came in uh, and, and got a very close win over Appleton Xavier. Um, I think that was the first time that those two schools have ever played. And and then the next day they, they got a close win over Brown Deer. Um, so I think that was fun for them to, to see how they match up against teams from, you know, outside their immediate area. And that's the way it is, you know, hopefully uh, for many parts of the state, although it's always fun, too, to, to, to have teams from your, uh, you know, your local area play, um, you know, from different conferences, and you see some of that as well. Before we let you go, do want to touch on the updated player rankings for the senior class, the 2020 class that you published earlier this week on Wisports.net. Despite the losses of really high-level talents like Jalen Johnson, Jamari Sibley, even uh, Desmond Polk over the last couple of years to out-of-state prep schools. Still a lot of talent in that 2020 class as you go down even into the you know 15 to 20 range. Some very, very good kids there. Uh, just take us through uh, your thoughts on that 2020 class and, and where things stand with that group right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's a good, solid class. You know, it would have been would have been a great class had, had Jalen and Jamari stayed, uh, not to mention Desmond. And then uh, even if going back to the freshman year at Bloomer, uh, you know, the, the, the Madsen twins, had, had they stayed, of course, they're in Rochester, Minnesota right now, but they're both going to Cincinnati next year. Um, you know, we could have had close to 20 Division One players. Um, but, right, we, we do have a lot of a very good uh, players in this class. And, you know, there's still some guys that are uncommitted that could end up at a Division One school. Um, a lot of guys going Division Two. A lot of guys have are, are starting to commit to uh, Division Three schools as well. Um, so it's a it's a good class with a lot of size and length. Um, good guard play, as you would expect. Um, and uh, I think next year's class will will be somewhat similar. Obviously, we got a, a five star at the top of next year's class in, in Patrick Baldwin. Um, and uh, you know, Johnny Davis uh, is number one in our class of 2020. Um, he's probably more of a four-star if you look at the national stuff. But, um, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, he's clearly the best player in the 2020 class uh, in our state for this year. And we'll be releasing the 2021 and 2022 rankings along with players to watch in the freshman class uh, over the next week or so. It, it takes a long time to research all this and see how the kids are doing and talk to coaches and uh, say, hey, how's so-and-so look and is he progressing, uh, you know, what kind of uh, – season is he having uh you know what is he working on all the things that you, you're trying to to gather and, and and put into place uh to, to make sure that they're accurate and, and to cover every corner of the state um you know i think some kids get overlooked because maybe they're not in a, a you know in a, in a metro area so to speak but there's good players uh in, in college players you know no matter where they are so um Excited to, to I'm delving into 2021 right now. Hopefully, get that up yet this week. Um, and and um, you know, doing 2020 yesterday. You're right. It's just it's a very deep class with a, a lot of really good players. And 
guys that are exciting to watch. All right, good stuff as always, Mark. We're looking forward to uh, really getting into the thick of the basketball season once again. We've had some uh, outstanding matchups already after the holiday break. We've got some more great ones coming up. And so it's, uh, it's time to, to get into it full bore. And, uh, of course, with sports.net and Mark's, uh, Mark's stuff on WSN and on Twitter are uh, the best way to keep up with everything. So, Mark, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll chat at you next time. Okay, Travis, thank you. Appreciate it. So some great conversation and insight from Mark Miller on some of the boys' events that took place over the holiday break. And now time to turn our attention to some of the girls' basketball tournaments, events, classics, shootouts, uh, whatever else, whatever other event name uh, that's out there. Uh, And we'll talk some of the girls' hoop stuff with our girls' basketball writer and content manager at Wisports.net, Norbert Durst. Norb, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. It's battling the cold, but like everyone else, you just got to battle through them, whether you're a player or media like us. Mark said he's been battling a little bit of a bug, and he blamed it on you from when we yeah. were uh, together in Minneapolis for our uh, our kickoff event uh, last weekend. It probably was me. Mine's been lingering. I feel good one day. The next day, I don't feel so great like today. Wait till you get kids at home, Norb, and then you're going to be sick all the time. <laughs> you can Then you can blame it on the kids, too, uh, or school or, or whatever. Right. <laughs> Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're feeling better, and hopefully uh, you can uh, uh, pull it together and, and grit it out like Willis Reed or Michael Jordan's flu game or whatever, and get out there and, and check out some uh, some games coming up later this week. But before we uh, do that, before we move on to really the heart of the uh, schedule here in the next couple months, we do want to take a look back at the uh, holiday classics and tournaments and uh, kind of get some uh, some insight on those. So. I know that you were at some of the events for the Watertown Holiday Shootout, which was one of the premier events over the holiday break. So take us through some of the uh, big storylines and performances from uh, from that event on Friday, December 27th and Saturday, December 28th. Yes, I uh, saw some really good basketball at Watertown. Uh, really good teams there, expected to be even bigger next season as uh, two more games get act- added to the schedules. Um, but some notable ones from that event, um, Pius Catholic, uh, beat Slinger. That was a really intriguing matchup. Uh, Pius has a lot of size and, uh, Slinger's a little more guard heavy, but Pius has uh, been playing really good basketball lately and, uh, continue that against Slinger. Also Blackhawk who has the state's uh, longest active winning streak now at 36 games really took it to Marshall. Uh, that, that pressure that Blackhawk brings, the ability to shoot the three, um, and you know, just all that—the full game that they can really bring—was just too much for Marshall in that contest. Uh, um, only led about, I think it was twelve at halftime, but that expanded into the second half, and they earned a nice win there. Bailey Butler did leave that game um, with a knee injury, but it was just a little pre- precautionary. She did play the next day against Madison LaFollette and Blackhawk picked up another win uh, the following day against Madison LaFollette. Um, a little bit more of a grind out win, but LaFollette's got some good, uh, good athletes on their team. They, they are without a couple of their better players, which would have made that game a lot more intriguing had they been at full strength, but that's just the life of the basketball season. Injuries do happen. Um, also McGuanago against Notre Dame was a very good contest. McGuanago, uh, started that game blazing. They were up, I believe it was 20 to seven early in that contest, led it at the half, 
but then Notre Dame, uh, their defense and, you know, some probably poor shooting by McGuanagall as well led to a big difference in the second half where Notre Dame uh, won that second half 36 to 13 and did win that contest. Also on uh, Saturday, Hortonville picked up a nice win against Reedsburg. Reedsburg doesn't have the size that Hortonville has. Uh, Mason McGlone, a uh, UW-Milwaukee commit, um, she did very well in that game. And it's, like I said, that's a tough matchup for Reedsburg. But they hung in there in that, that game and uh, battled through as, as long as they could and, until Hortonville really just took control of the game um, in the second half there. Um, also, to finish the tournament, uh, Milwaukee King played Bayport. Um, and prior to that game, I had not realized that Emma Nagel was, was not suiting up. And uh, after the game, I found out that uh, she had a knee injury. And at the time, they were hoping it was just a bone bruise. But uh, unfortunate news for Bayport and Emma Nagel, a, uh, a Drake soccer commit. She ended up uh, tearing her, her PCL in her knee and is going to miss the remainder of the season. So that's a big loss for the Pirates. But in that game, they still, they still have a lot of weapons due to the Pirates. They led 41 to 18, I believe it was at the half, and and they cruised to that win over a very good Milwaukee King team. So, you know, unfortunate news for Bayport there, but they do have a lot of kids and a lot of athletes that can go in there and make plays. They'll just need to be a little more heavy on maybe a uh, Emma Krieger, a sophomore who is who was coming off the bench for them, but now is going to be moving into a starting role. Her scoring is going to be big for them this season. So of all those games that you mentioned and of all the games at the event, anything that, that we learned that maybe we didn't know, I mean, any of those teams that, um, you know, made a move in your mind to go from, you know, a good team to a state tournament contender, state title contender, or, or did we kind of learn what we thought we would learn from that event? I think it was a lot of learning what we thought were, was going to happen. I, I really think Hortonville is a very good team. They are, uh, not just the team that's going to get to state and, and you know, the last, like the last two seasons, get a four seed, their team that is right up there with a Beaver dam. Who's still ranked number one, uh, the weapons they have on the wings and at the guard really helped them to go along with the strong play of Mason McGlone. And, you know, they're a team that could definitely come home with the gold ball, because as we talked about earlier, you know, Beaver dam is not the Beaver dam of past. Uh, so they're definitely a team that can, um, continue to play well and maybe take home that gold ball in Bayport, even though they, you know, the loss of Emma Nagel is going to be a big one for them. They're still very athletic. They play very well on defense. So even though you might in initially say, well, you know, she, you know, she was a star last year for them. And even though she's a soccer uh, recruit, she's a very good basketball player and will be missed. But I still think they, they're a team that can uh, still get back to the rest center and, have a chance to take home the gold ball. And then a team like Rhinelander coming down, you know, they uh, way up there North uh, and come down and play in that event. They didn't win any of the games. Uh, they played Milwaukee Riverside on Friday, um, battled in that game and they battled against Pius for about three quarters of the game before falling in that contest. So even though they, they didn't come out on top there, I think that really helps go into uh, the gr a great Northern play. Uh, they recently picked up a nice win against Lakeland and hopefully will help them make a little bit more of a push into the postseason because just that experience for them is going to be uh, very valuable when it comes to the postseason. 
So looking around the state at some of the other tournaments and, and events that were held, uh, what were some of the key takeaways from some of those games or, or some of those events? Anything that stood out team-wise, performance-wise, uh, matchup-wise from some of those games? Uh, Bangor is still showing that they're a team that uh, can make a run to this the state tournament. Um, not the Bangor we, we saw a couple years ago when they raised the gold ball, but a very strong defensive team. Um, they ended up beating Scholzberg, who came entered that game undefeated in the championship of their holiday tournament. Um, so really just showing that, hey, even though we might not have the studs maybe we had in the past, we're a team that is going to be tough to beat in the postseason. That's definitely a, a big one for Bangor, as Scholzberg was trying to be a team to say, hey, even though we didn't have a great record last season, we're, you know, we're having a good start and maybe to make a looking to make a push into that, uh, that sectional, uh, I believe they play river Ridge, uh, this Friday. So that'll be a good measuring stick for them and river Ridge as well. Um, in that, uh, in their sectional play there, other takeaways, uh, fall river, another, uh, D five team beat a very good, uh, Clinton team in their holiday event, uh, at fall river there, uh, you know, they're in that Blackhawk sectional, so that's going to be a tough one for them. But you play bigger teams as they've had, and that's going to help them when it comes to tournament time. Um, also, just a notable scoring um, of Carolyn Strand. He continues to just pour in the points for Racine Lutheran. She's a uh, Minnesota recruit, um, but she and she has just been a scoring machine this season, averaging uh, 37 and a nearly 38 points a game this year and multiple games of 40 plus points. Uh, and she's going to need to be a big scoring machine. They're in, in one of those loaded sectionals in division four that, that has Howard's Grove, Michigan and, uh, and others that uh, could contend for uh, a state run. So her scoring is going to be very important for, for Racine Lutheran to make a deep run in the tournament. You know, we uh, you talked a little bit about Beaver Dam earlier, and this is still a couple weeks off. But uh, how about the matchup that's coming up at the Just a Game Fieldhouse in Wisconsin Dells in a, in a few weeks, the Saturday, the twenty fifth, where it'll be Aquinas and Beaver Dam meeting up uh, there at the Jag. Uh, that's uh, one that I'm hoping to be able to get over to just a uh, just a few miles from my house here in Reedsburg. Um, but man, that uh, that's going to be a special one over there. And the week before. Melrose, Mindoro, and Blackhawk meet up. They've had a couple good games over the last few years. So we've got some good games coming up at the uh, at the JAG there in the Dells. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk about that Aquinas-Beaver Dam matchup. You know, it, Aquinas is doing very well. They, they lost on Friday, their only loss of the season, to Hopkins. But Hopkins is best team in the um, large division in Minnesota. They have the best player in the nation in Beckers. And... Uh, you know, it, even though you don't, you look at the score, you're like, well, it was a 20, 25 uh, point game, but Aquinas is really good. And that's like you talked about, that's going to be a very exciting contest because I could see that game going either way. If I had to say right now, I might give a little bit of an edge to Aquinas just because of what they have. And they have everybody back from last season, whereas Beaver Dam is still kind of working through some pieces. Um, but Beaver Dam has not lost a game to an in-state team for th uh, four years, I believe it is now. And it, most of the time, you're still going to give them the edge, but that one should definitely be an exciting game. And that Melrose Blackhawk game, really look for Melrose Mendora to play a lot better than they did last year. 
in that contest. Uh, I believe Blackhawk handed it to him pretty good, won by uh, 20 plus points. But like I said, Melrose Mendoro is hungry, not just to get back to state, but get another chance at Aquinas at the state tournament. So both of those games, very intriguing, excellent late season, or I guess mid to late season non-conference games. And that Melrose Blackhawk game last year, I was at, uh, I can't remember if it was the whole game or a part of it. Uh, and really Melrose was right there. It was, you know, a, a couple points into the second half. And then all of a sudden Blackhawk just blew the, they flipped off the switch. And, yeah. Their, uh, their guards kicked it in and it, it just got out of hand pretty quickly. But, um, it's great having an, a, uh, you know, a facility like the just a game that's close by to, to me anyway. And, uh, and, and some of the games that they've been able to put together, boys and girls at the varsity level, have, have been, been pretty cool the last few years. So looking forward to that. As we really get into the heart of the schedule here in, in January and into February, um, you know, we, we start to get into a lot more high-level conference matchups. That's where a lot of the, the, the focus shifts, obviously. Um, anything coming up this week still on the, uh, on the calendar for Thursday, Friday, or Saturday that stands out in terms of matchups on, on the schedule? Well, Friday night's Bayport Notre Dame, and uh, that one should be one heck of a contest. Bayport, you know, as mentioned, uh, defending Division One state champions, undefeated so far this season, but they're without Emma Nagel, and that's going to be a big difference in that game. But as mentioned, they're still a very good team. They will miss Emma Nagel, but they're still a very good team. They have kids that can score great defensively and in Notre Dame who they always bring it defensively um, and that should make that game I would guess a, a relatively low scoring game but you know you never find you never know it in, in some of those contests sometimes the shots just fall and maybe see a little bit more of a high tempo match up there but definitely look for a game where there's going to be a lot of pressure on both sides of the court um, very very uh, interested to see the outcome of that contest. All right, well, that sounds good, Norb. Get uh, get better, get healthy, get rested up, and uh, get out to some games, and we look forward to following along all year on Wisports.net. Uh, so thanks for joining us, Norb, and we'll chat at you the next time. Of course. Thanks for having me on. So there you have it, our look back at some of the big-time boys' and girls' events uh, and tournaments that were held over the holiday break, and also a little bit of a peek ahead to what we have to look forward to in the next uh, few weeks and some of the content that will be coming out on WSN. Uh, so big thanks to Mark and Norbert for, uh, for lending their expertise, as always, on the WSN podcast. This has been a Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.